This is the Biz News Podcast. One-on-one conversations with experts in business and personal development. Do night skies really finish last? Well, not according to Ed Frommelheim in the new book, Reinventing Masculinity. He says traditional aspects of masculinity actually inhibit progress in an organization, especially with millennials filling more and more jobs. Ed Frauenheim, welcome to this Biz News Podcast. Before we get into the meat of your book, tell our listeners and viewers more about yourself. Uh, uh, An author, and I've been a journalist uh, for the bulk of my career, 25 years or so, writing about business, technology, culture. Uh, was at the Oakland Tribune chain of newspapers for a while. Um, and then more recently, I, I was a great place to work, uh, which is a, a research and consulting firm that, that studies employee culture, surveys employees. We're best known for the uh, uh, fortune best companies to work for list that comes out every year. Uh, and so over time, I've come to really focus on what really makes a great workplace culture, what great leadership looks like. Uh, and I ultimately married that interest in the workplace uh, and, and an abiding interest in masculinity issues with my, the co-author of my recent book, uh, Ed Adams, uh, to create a book that looks at uh, how masculinity is changing and we, and we think must change for men to succeed uh, and flourish in, in the world that's taking place. Uh, he brings a psychological perspective and I bring more of the business perspective. Of all the people we have interviewed over the years, and we've been doing this since 2005, and we estimated some over 600 Many have new ideas about business and management and leadership uh, and are ready to take on that slice of the world. You guys, however, seem to be willing to take on all of humanity. (laughs) Would you give our listeners and viewers a a thumbnail sketch of what it is that you're talking about and why? Sure. Thanks. Thanks for that invitation. Yeah, I guess we are aiming... uh, big uh, here, uh, we, we basically think that the way that we've been taught to be men, uh, for us men, and, and, and our visions of masculinity that both men and women uh, have uh, is outdated, uh, they're, they're unhealthy, and they're dangerous. Um, and we see this as problems, the problems with this traditional limited view of masculinity taking shape at, at work, at home, and in the world even to the, some of the uh, issues of the day, like uh, gl- climate change, global warming, uh, the need for cooperation around pandemics, uh, and say the need to cooperate on, on, on international terrorism and other matters that really are uh, global in nature. Um, so that's why we, we are kind of, we see that the, the impact of masculinity is, is quite large across these different spheres. But by the impact of masculinity, give us uh, some examples. Sure. So we, we see an, a change underway, Doug, between the more traditional way of being a man, a masculinity, which we, we call confined masculinity, toward a newer version of masculinity that we call liberating masculinity. And the confined approach, uh, really, we, we picked that term because the way we've been uh, taught to be men for thousands of years, really, is about limitations, uh, limited uh, roles that we really are kind of sanctioned to, to play in our lives, like the provider the protector, the conqueror, uh, and then limited relationship styles uh, where we're supposed to be stoic, not very emotional. Uh, we're, we're supposed to be competitive with one another uh, and even dominate. Uh, and we're also supposed to be super self-sufficient to the point of isolation. And we think that these uh, characteristics of this confined approach to being a man really are what gets us in trouble in the world that's taking shape today. 
And how would you guys change it? Well, thankfully, we, we see it changing in, in ways that we are we're trying to name as well as, as, as Shepherd. But what we see happening is uh, the emergence of a, a masculinity that it really breaks free of these confines. Uh, and that really allows men to play additional roles in life, like the caregiver, uh, the sensitive lover, uh, potentially the, the, the spiritual seeker. These are more, you know, they haven't been a, a completely impossible in the past, but really much more sane. Now, you see more men, for example, during the pandemic, um, men are called now to be more emotionally intelligent and vulnerable uh, in their relationships, as well as, as, you know, when we talk about the workplace and on, as leaders of teams and of organizations. Um, and there's also the need to recognize our interconnectedness. Again, both in terms of the, the workplace, you can see the need for that to, to see that oftentimes our work in silos gets us in trouble in organizations, uh, but also at the societal level, uh, the need to kind of see that we are one human family in a way, and that if we're going to solve uh, the problems of, of, the, of today, we have to see our, our connections more, more clearly and, and, and actually embrace them as opposed to uh, try to deny them. Let's see if we can uh, transfer this to business. Business sure. as we know it today in the United States, Western world, uh, what's good, what's bad, and what fits with your theory and what should be changed? Thank you. Yeah, glad to bring it down to the business level. Um, we see the world in the, of business kind of having three key uh, trends, megatrends, you might say, Doug. It's faster, it's flatter, and it's fairness-focused today. Uh, by faster, we're talking about the, the digital disruptions underway, where competitors can pop out anywhere across the globe with, with the, the ability to use uh, the internet and other tools. It's um, faster in the sense, or excuse me, flatter in the sense that uh, increasingly uh, organizations are realizing they need to uh, distribute decision-making power to those on the front lines. Uh, because if you go for the old vertical command and control um, rigid hierarchy, it's too slow. Those, those leaders that are stuck in that model cannot gather the input, have it come up the chain of the command, make a decision, send it back down the chain of command. By that time, you know, an opportunity or a threat is, is, is already taken shape. Um, and so then the last piece is that fairness focus. In the wake of Me Too, in the wake of Black Lives Matter, the, ki the killing of, of George Floyd, we have got to be more mindful of equality, equity, privilege uh, in the workplaces, men. And so that older model of masculinity was really about barking bosses. It was about showing up as rigid, cold, and isolated, often in a world that's now calling for flexibility, warmth, and connection. So happy to give some examples, but that, that I think paints the big picture of what we see happening at work today. Oh, well, indeed, we always learn better when we look at what somebody else has done. Give us a couple of examples of what works. Thanks. Yeah, I have been really inspired over the last couple of years uh, in my role at Glade Place to work to be able to interview some of the most inspiring leaders uh, and organizations that are, have great cultures. And one of them is Tim Ryan, who is a top executive at, at PwC, the giant professional services company. Um, and Tim Ryan uh, has really taken the lead uh, on issues of racial equity, inclusion, and diversity. Um, when he first became the top executive at PwC going back four or five years, it was right at the time of, of the, of the you know, almost the first burst of, of, of racial tension that's, that came out of the uh, Michael Brown killing. There was a shooting in Dallas uh, and just a lot of tension in the country. And he said, you know what? I have a great plan for PwC, but I'm gonna put it on the shelf. I need to listen to my employees, especially my African-American employees, find out what they're experiencing now 
and really take take stock of 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 how how equal and how um, inclusive we are as an organization. That led him to create a, a group called CEO Action for Diversity and Inclusion, where he's gathered 1,200 companies over over the last several years and 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 asked them to make very specific actions to create a more inclusive workplace. And in this past year, he took the next step, took it to another level, where in the wake of the George Floyd uh, uh, killing and, and the Black Lives Matter protest, Tim Ryan said, we have got as an organ, as a business community to step up and say, what can we do to create a more racially just society? And so he created uh, out of that first group, a CEO action for uh, racial equity, where he's sending some of his own people and gathering fellows from other uh, like-minded organizations to really say, how can we at a policy level create the conditions for a, a fairer society in the United States? So I think he's a great example and, and this is not at the, at the expense of his business results. PwC is doing great. They're still making the list a great place to work at the Fortune Best Companies to Work For list. It's in addition. PwC is a gigantic corporation. What about yes. a small company where, where the slightest twitch can spell disaster or greatness for the bottom line? Yes. Uh, and I thankfully have had a chance to see some great examples of smaller companies where men in leadership roles are stepping up as well, not just in leadership roles. But one example that comes to my mind is Radio Flyer, uh, which is the, the maker of the iconic Little Red Wagon uh, that I imagine your readers and listeners would, have, would, have, would be familiar with. They're actually a quite small company with a lot of their uh, operations are, are outsourced. Um, they're based in the Chicago area. And at the outset of the pandemic, their CEO, Robert Passan, declared to his 100 or so employees, no one will be laid off. During this this pandemic, uh, I am we are going to be caring, uh, making decisions based on uh, our our sense of community, um, and and that was a, a, I talked to some of the employees of Radio Flyer earlier this year, and that just meant so much to them to have one element of fear taken away, uh, there, given there was so much more anxiety around health, around uh, uh, about whether we get our basic needs, our toilet paper. Uh, Robert Passon said, "You do not have to worry about your job." We're going to get through this, and I'm not going to worry about our financial, uh, you know, next quarter, you know, earnings. We're going to make sure our people are taken care of. That's the kind of thing you see happening in small companies too, and and they've come through, and I think they're rolling fine <laughs> at the moment. Um, another quick example is Dustin Moskovitz, who is the CEO of Asana, which is a maker of um, collaboration software. Um, Dustin Moskovitz is an interesting character because he's one of the founders of Facebook before he came to Asana, but Asana is about a mid-sized company. Uh, one of the things that he has shown is a willingness to step back and let others make decisions, to share power in that sense of, of that kind of flexible, uh, not the command and control leadership, but rather realizing that people want to have an experience of, of egalitarian uh, decision-making at some point. You know, that is a that's a part of a human desire to not be told what to do all the time, especially for millennials. Uh, so a story we heard from, from Dustin Moskowitz is he, his staff uh, was debating a very um, important topic for him, but he said his position was, this is not my area of, of control. He's, they have a very kind of distributed decision-making model. And he said, you know what, I, this is what I think. And I'm not, I'm going to leave the room and you guys decide and whatever you decide is fine. And he literally left the room. And that the team made a different decision. They built on his and went away they thought was better. But to me, for the CEO to get out of the room when an important decision being made is the opposite of what we've come to expect, where the CEO says, I'm going to make the decision and you all, you all follow me. 
Uh, it's a lot more that servant leadership coming into play in small companies also. It sounds like this would uh, dovetail with the uh, uh, what they call open book management style, where uh, yeah. everybody who's involved in the company essentially knows almost everything, if not everything. Yes, that level of transparency. That's another way that I, I think a lot of the newer leadership uh, uh, models and, and men who are stepping into this role are willing to let go of control, if you will. Like if, if knowledge is power and information allows you to control things, a lot of these um, uh, fellows in the, in the cutting edge are saying, we're going to be stronger if we all know it. And we can all make decisions based on it. It allows for greater innovation if everyone knows the key issues. And also you're treating people like adults. Well, I believe when you when you show that kind of open book management, uh, and that's a that's a sign of, of men not trying to dominate others, but to collaborate more fully, to be sharing power as opposed to exercising it. Sometimes that's uh, hard to get past the board of directors or senior management that has been in place for a long time. True, true. Uh, that's a, about the, probably one of the biggest obstacles or challenges. I see one of the things we're seeing is. Um, it can take a, a very competent and maybe established leader like a, a like a Tim Ryan, uh, someone like a Chuck Robbins uh, at Cisco, who's done some similar work at another big company where he did. He was actually inspired by a, a dream he had of seeing his father and his pastor amid homeless people in the Silicon Valley area and decided, I have got to get involved in this. Our company is going to get involved in this. We're going to donate uh, $50 million to help address the homelessness problem in, in uh, San Jose area. Uh, and and the company kind of followed, followed his lead and it got inspired to do much more philanthropy in recent years. Um, he would, you know, but those fellows had the kind of the uh, the charisma and, and this and the sort of uh, inspiration, I think, to bring the board along with them. And, and that can happen. But I think you also see a lot of smaller companies and small business folks who can kind of call their own shots and decide I'm going to lead in a different way and I'm determined to do so. Now this uh, concept may well be adopted in many uh, Western countries, but in other Western countries which have a society that is much more uh, male dominant, traditional male dominated society, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of some that might be uh, South of the border. Uh, it's going to be mm -hmm. kind of tough to get that past, uh, get that in place. And, and, Beyond that, worldwide, how do you get it out of a company here and a company there into society as a whole? Have you and your co-author given any thought to that? Yeah, it's a great question, Doug. And I think you're right. There are some hurdles with cultures that are perhaps more macho, to use another term that, that might describe uh, that. I think what's what's interesting is at Great Place to Work, I, we have worked on a global level. Uh, you know, we were operating in 60 countries and what you see is that the, comp the, the companies that do challenge some of those models and say, you know what, they, they, they highlight other elements of the culture. For example, in Latin America, there's a, a deep culture of family connection. And, and one definition of family is we all gonna, are going to love each other and take care of each other. And we're not going to uh, be dominated by uh, one member or, or, or uh, say, a, a boss that is a kind of abusive boss. So there, there are ways that these, these principles around masculinity are being seized. For example, I know the Great Place to Work uh, affiliate leader in Brazil 
uh, is one of the fellow who has most radically distributed authority, shared power, allowed people uh, of all levels of the organization to come up with new ideas. And he's one of the most successful, uh, great place to work affiliates around the world. So it is happening, it can happen. Uh, and it's exciting to see, even if there are challenges ahead. Do you see your uh, uh, thoughts at about where the uh, feminism movement was perhaps in the early 70s at that level of development? That's a great, uh, I think that's a great assessment, uh, Doug. I, we were very wary of, of using this term liberating masculinity because we were afraid the feminists would say, oh, you're appropriating our term of women's liberation. And uh, we decided to stick with it because we felt like, and we talked to some, some female scholars on issues of gender relationships, and, and they're agreed, they agreed with us that men and women need to be liberated from some of those old confines. And, and when men do uh, find themselves better able to be emotionally vulnerable, better able to uh, develop friendships and, and tell each other that they love each other as, as friends or tell their teammates that they care for them and, and are concerned about their well-being uh, and treat them as people that they're uh, deeply connected with, these are gonna be, this is going to be good for everybody, men and women. And, and yet I also agree that, that, as you put it, we're in the early stages of this. There's been a much more focus on the challenges that, that women are facing and, and men is the problem. But I, don't th I think what we're trying to say is that men have great potential to ha have more fulfilling uh, and more successful uh, lives. If they, can, they also can address these topics from a place of, of not feeling guilty, but rather let's build on the strengths we have. We're not trying to say the provider, protector, uh, are, are bad roles. We're saying there's more, there's more to life and you can actually do better at work if you can see a bigger way of being a man. Now tell our audience the name of the book again. It's called Reinventing Masculinity, The Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection. Now you have been very generous with all of your thoughts. Uh, I feel like I've been talking to Patrick Henry uh, <laughs> of the 21st century in some regards. I, I'm, uh, well, I'm honored by that analogy. He's well, like kind of a freedom speaker, right? Well, yeah, don't, don't, don't uh, buy the tri-cornered hat just yet, but. Okay. Uh, well, Ed, what would you like to add that we haven't had a chance to talk about? Um, great question, uh, Doug. I guess I would say that one of the things we, we are, proud about and, 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 and seeing value from our readers is that we offer a, a practical way to move from that confined masculinity to a liberating masculinity. Um, we have these five C's. Uh, they're what we call the five practices. And they, they, they start with curiosity, asking more questions about not just life, but whether you are actually being held back by some of your notions about masculinity and how to be a man. Uh, courage is the next one, because it does take courage to sort of reflect on one's own privilege or, or kind of feel one's emotions, if, especially if some of those emotions are, are unpleasant. Um, but that's kind of where we believe that's important. The next one is compassion, uh, really feeling for other people and also self-compassion to really give ourselves a break as men, because we often beat each other, beat our, each other up, but we also beat ourselves up uh, as guys. Connection is, that, is a, uh, the fourth one, really being open to and, and embracing the ties with other people and with our whole planet. And the last one is commitment. Uh, that's pledging to stick with this process because you're probably going to get teased along the way by some other guys or even some woman. And you're also going to be in, in hard places at times. Can you 
really dedicate yourself to moving forward because the, the, the benefits to yourself and all those around you are really quite amazing. Uh, and I've seen this in, in the fellows that have really embraced this for years, especially through the men's groups that have done some of this work, uh, but also in some of the work I've done in, as well, and talking to business leaders that are meeting in new ways. You've been listening to the Biz News Podcast. We welcome your input. Send your email to editor at biznews.com. That's B-I-Z-G-N-U-S dot com. Thanks for listening.